tell you a story. Get your Bibles out. We're going to be looking at a little bit of Matthew chapter 9 from last week, picking up that story, the tail end of that story, and a big chunk of chapter 20, and if you want, you can put your finger in chapter 22. So before we get into it, let me tell you a story. Um, My previous life, if you don't know this, if you're somewhat new, uh, my previous life, I was an antique dealer, and I had had a shop in Pasadena. And uh, I would go to Europe and buy a bunch of stuff. I would fill up a big uh, cargo container, like the ones we down have down the, the lot there. So I'd fill up a big cargo container and then ship it back and then try and sell everything in Pasadena. I loved doing this. It was great. And um, there was one, one shipment that I did. Uh, it was a big 40-foot-long container, so the biggest container that, that you can get. And it was called a high cube. So like when you begin to unpack the stuff, you literally got to put a ladder inside the container so you can get the stuff at the top. And we, our, our guys were really good at packing this container. So like the whole thing was just tight with furniture and art and knickknacks and junk and plates. And, and so it was, it, it was packed so tight that it would make the trip across the ocean without anything breaking. The only time something would break is when we were unpacking it. And it's just, it's, it's amazing. And again, the more you get in, the tighter the stuff, you know, eventually the more money that you'll make. So we try to get to cram as much stuff as possible in those shipping containers. And so I had one pulling into my shop in Pasadena. Um, I think my dad was in Africa. Like my friends were washing their hair or mowing the lawn or something. Um, I didn't have a business partner at the time, and so I was like, oh my gosh, i got to get this thing unpacked. I'm going to go get some help. So I got some day labor at Home Depot. And the thing with when the shipping container comes in, uh, you get like two or three hours free. And then once you break that two-hour mark, then they start charging you per minute. And that cuts into profit. So I got, a, I got a handful of guys, and I, and I picked them up early in the morning before the sun rose and got them coffee, got them breakfast. I'm like, all right, you guys, I, I need you to work hard, and you, I need you to work fast, and I'm going to pay you very well. Like, if you do this thing right, you're going to make more money today than you will all week long. So this could be, your, this could be it for you for the rest of the week. But I just, I, we got to get the thing uh, unpacked fast or else I'm going to start getting charged extra money. And it was hot. It was Pasadena in the summertime. It was like 110. I'm exaggerating. That's what pastors do. I don't know how hot it was. It just felt hot. It was like Africa hot. So I get these guys. Container shows up. Uh, the sun's already out, and it's starting to warm up. And they crack open the container. We, dr- we jump in. We're just, like, moving elbow. We're, we're going crazy. And I'm, this isn't an exaggeration. Fifteen minutes into the job, like, that container starts heating up. And it's, like, it's hot to the touch. Fifteen minutes into the job, these guys are like, we're done. We're not going to do this. And like, are you kidding me? He's like, no, this is, this is too hard. We're not going to work this hard. I'm like, I'm going to pay you very well. 
in cash under the table. <laughs> do you understand? It's like, no, no, we can't do this. And I'm just like, I'm stuck. I'm by myself. 15 minutes of work. So, man, are you going to pay us? I'm like, are you kidding me? Okay, this, keep in mind, this is, this is pre-Pastor Josh. Okay? I am a believer, right? I am, I am a sinner saved by grace at this point. I am a completely, I mean, but I wanted to kill these guys. I mean, it was bad because I knew I was like, I was stuck in a really hard place. And I'm like, hey, can you, do, can you pay us for an hour? I'm like, no, you didn't do an hour's worth of work. I'm not going to pay you anything. I paid you with the breakfast that you guys got. Like, all right, man. Well, can you take us back to Home Depot? I'm like, no. And then obviously I was there all by myself all day long trying to unload this thing, and it was, you know, it was a very long, expensive day. Have you ever had any experiences like that? We got stuck between a rock and a hard place. Right, here's one that kind of relates to you. Uh, before we uh, did Living Nativity, you know, the guys were all setting up the sets and getting everything set, and across the street. They were doing tree trimming and mulch. They were like mulching all the branches and trees and stuff. And there was a, they had this big, giant load of mulch. I'm like, that's an opportunity. I'm like, we'll give you 300 bucks, and all you got to do is just drive it over here and dump it. And so we got a killer deal on mulch for our, our down or that side of the property. But the problem was, it was a big, giant trailer full of mulch, and they just dumped it there. And there was a big giant mountain. Do you guys anybody remember that big giant mountain of mulch? Okay, so the problem <laughs> some of us do. The problem was is that they didn't spread it, and so we had to spread it. And we didn't have the volunteers to spread it because uh, we were setting up nativity stuff. And so I go to Home Depot. <laughs> Not the Home Depot in Pasadena. Like steer clear of that one. The one over here on mountain's pretty good. So I go to Home Depot. I get a bunch of guys. I'm like, all right, I'm going to pay you guys very well. All you got to do is just spread the mulch. Here's some rakes. Here's some shovels. It's not hard. It's not rocket science. You don't need to skill. All you got to do is spread this mulch, and I'll pay you very well. And they worked hard. Well, at least two of them did. And then there was this other guy. Okay, most of you will probably appreciate this. The two old guys worked very hard. The young guy was lazy. Of course, he was the one that spoke English. He's the one that you know, I was communicating with. And for some reason, because like, I would talk to him, he thought he was in charge. And he's just like, and I could see him like sitting there like being the foreman. You can put this over here, put this over here. I'm like, dude, it's not, it's just spreading mulch. These guys don't need to be supervised. They know what they're doing. So let's get to work. A few minutes later, the guy's on his phone to his girlfriend. I'm like, what are you doing? I'm not paying you to talk to your girlfriend on the phone. Get off the phone and start spreading mulch. And then again, a few minutes later, he's texting on his, like, what, what? But here's the difference. This is why you have skin in the game. Because it was your tithe dollars that I was paying these guys with. Now are you a little interested? <laughs> like this was, this was your money. 
the money that God blessed you with, I was using it to get a job done here. And there was one guy that wasn't doing anything. I played the God card. Like, you are, you're, not, you're taking advantage of church money here. <laughs> it didn't work either, by the way. I uh, got them early in the morning. Bobby's not here, is he? Bobby was there. George was there. I uh, got them early in the morning, and we they worked all day long, or at least two of them worked all day long, while the other one took a lot of breaks. And when the sun went down and it was dark, it's like, okay, well, obviously we can't work anymore. They didn't even quite get the job done. Uh, Tim Frias volunteered and did the rest of it. Amen? Yeah. Um. Got the guys in my car, taking them back to Home Depot, and I've got cash, your tithe dollars. I got to pay these guys what we agreed to pay them when I picked them up. I paid the first two guys, the old guys that were working hard, that broke a sweat, they had some blisters, and then the other guy, and it's just, and I just, I remember I was like, hate him, and like I could see it in the eyes of the other two guys, they're just like, you know, like looking and like looking at each other, shaking their heads, probably saying some bad words, I, and I'm thinking the very same thought, you didn't earn this, you, you didn't earn half of this, and then I started doing some math in my head, how many hours did I put in that week, how, many, how much I paid them, I was like, oh my gosh, this, this guy did hardly anything, and he got paid more today than I got paid. And there was this, like, this that resentment, this, you know what I'm saying? Like, this isn't fair. This isn't right. He didn't, he didn't earn this. Anybody ever had these types of experiences? Or you feel, you know, I don't know. All right, well, let's dig into it. Um. Peter, let's look at chapter 19 first. Peter's having this conversation with Jesus, and he's talking about the rich young ruler who's got it all together, who deserves to go into heaven, he's got his act together, he knows the law, he's kept all the commandments, he's perfect, right? He's got it all together. And Jesus kind of drops it on him and says, it's going to be really impossible for you to get into the kingdom of heaven because you're so tied to your riches. It's easier for a man, it's easier for a camel to enter uh, through an eye of a needle than it is uh, for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus drops that one on us. It's like, oh, wow, that's tough. And then Peter comes up with this response. He says in uh, chapter 19, verse 27, Peter answered him, uh, we have left everything to follow you. What then will be for us? What he is saying is, we've, we've paid the price. We did the work. What's in it for us? What is our reward? Hmm? Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. At the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on the twelve thrones, 
judging the 12 tribes. That's a pretty good reward. It's like, you guys are awesome. You guys are going to be number one. And we talked about this bit last week, too, if you want to dig into it more. And everyone who has left house or brothers or sisters or fathers or mothers or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. And then he drops this little bit on them. But many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. Uh, Peter's initial uh, thought is probably like, yeah, Jesus, those guys, the religious folks, the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees, the political pundits, the Romans, like, well, they were Romans, they weren't first, but you get the idea, right? The, the, the children of God, they're first, and now they're not because we're cool and we're first. So that's Peter's initial thought, but that's not exactly what Jesus was saying. And then he goes on to answer Peter's question. Again, Peter's question is this, what then is there for us? What is our reward? What do we get out of this deal? Have you ever thought about that in your, in your faith? Like, what do I get out of this faith deal, Pastor Josh? Why should I do this? Why is it good for me? It's going to make me rich. Like, what, what do I get out of this deal? So Peter's asking the very same thing that we all ask. And then, you guys hanging on? Chapter 20, verse 1, Jesus says this. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire men to work in his vineyard, to spread mulch, to unpack antiques. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day, and he sent them into the vineyard. About the third hour, that's nine o'clock in the morning, he went out and he saw the others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. So about 9 o'clock in the morning, he's driving around picking up stuff. He's in the marketplace. He's back at Home Depot, and there's some more guys standing around looking for work. They're not doing anything. Here's the interesting thing about the kingdom of heaven. There's always something to do. There's always plenty of work to be had. Like, we just shouldn't be bored. If you're standing around in your faith and you're not doing anything, Jesus is going to drive up and roll down the window. He's going to say, hop on in. Time to get to work. I've got something for you to do. You need to come into my vineyard. We're going to start working. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard. Are you ready for this part? Maybe you might want to underline it. And I will pay you whatever is right, whatever is just, whatever is fair. And they went. He went out again about the sixth hour and the, and the ninth hour, around 12, and he did the same thing. And about the 11th hour, he went out and he found still others standing around. So now it's starting to get dark. The sun is setting, and there's not that much time for work left. And he asked them, why have you been standing around here all day doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. And he said to them, you also go and you work in my fields. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, 
Okay, this is an important nuance right here. Pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first ones hired. The workers were hired about the 12th hour. They came and they each received a denarius. So when those who were hired first, they expected to receive more, but each of them also received a denarius. When they received it, it began, they began to grumble against the landowner. These men who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of work at the heat of day. Interesting, huh? How do you feel about this right now? Does this feel fair? But he answered them, one of them, friend, I am not being unfair to you. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the man who has hired last the same as I gave you. Is that fair? From our perspective, is that fair? You guys okay with this? Like some of you have read in your Bible. That means Jesus is saying it. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money, Jesus says, the landowner says. Don't I have the right to do what I want to do with my own money? There's only one person in the universe that gets to say this one. God can do whatever he wants to do with his own money or with his own gifts or with his own blessings. It's not for us to question and it's not, even for, it's not even our place to say what he just said. Uh, I can do whatever I want to do with my own money. Because from the Christian perspective, it's not yours. Or are you envious because I am generous? Does anybody have King James Version? Susan, could you read that bit? So my, uh, my NIV is a little weak. That one's better. It says, can I do what I want to do with my own? And is your eye evil because I am doing what is good? This is, have you ever heard of the term evil eye? This is where it comes from. It actually starts in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy. That's the whole concept of the evil eye. And, he, and Jesus is bringing it up here as an illustration because there is... The evil eye isn't like giving somebody a hard look to give them a curse. I mean, of course, that's a big part of it. But the evil eye comes from the deep-seated root of jealousy and contempt and legalism. So the deep-seated eye is going to look at an individual and say, they didn't earn that. I earned that. It's not fair that they are blessed and I am not. And then that evil eye, that St. Patrick's Day, that green monster, that green monster that's in all of us just begins to come up and manifest whenever we begin to want something that somebody else has, a lifestyle or an 
object that somebody else has, or ready for this, even a blessing, or even the ability to walk in favor, God's favor, and you get a little jealous, and you get a little, you know, get that evil eye going. And then he says this, repeating again what he said earlier. So, the last will be first, and the first will be last. So Peter has really got to turn on his thinking cap now because it started off like, you know what? The guys in charge, they were first, and now they're last, and, and Jesus is pushing on him a little bit. Is that you now too? Now that you're number one, are you going to be able to serve others? Are you, can you see yourself as the least of these in the kingdom? Can you, can you serve others with your life? Or are you going to take on the same attitude and the same spirit and the same religious mindset that the religious people have, the people that you're replacing? Are are you, too, going to fall into this danger? And what what Jesus is telling us about the kingdom of heaven right now is that it's not fair. And it's not just. It's spiritual communism. Spiritual communism is just fine because God's in control of it. Earthly communism, this is my opinion, and I'm going to stick to it because I've had the experience. Earthly communism is one of the most evil forces on the planet. Because you just see what it does to communities and what it does to families, and, and it, it, it's just awful. Amen. Okay. Woo. But what Jesus is saying is, I'm going to give my blessing and my favor and my authority and my position and my stuff to the ones that have been working all day and into the night in addition to the one that just shows up at the last hour. They they all get the same. It's not fair, right? Are you guys okay with this? It's not fair. Like there's something that just wells up inside of it that says, you know what, that's just not fair. To us, it might not seem like it's not fair, but in God's eyes, it is absolutely just. It is absolutely good. It is good what he's doing. This story, even though, again, it it, it seems like it's unfair, the big giant plot twist is that um, Jesus is telling us about his mercy, and he's telling us about his grace. This is a story about God's mercy. Mercy is like, we don't, I mean, we don't, we don't get the punishment that we deserve, is what he's saying. Like the guy that walked off on my job 15 minutes in, like he, he, I wasn't, trust me, I wasn't giving him mercy. But he deserved to get strangled at that moment. That's what he deserved, from my perspective. But God's grace God's grace is receiving stuff that we did not work for, that we did not earn. 
And that's a very difficult concept to get. Not only in the natural, but it's a very difficult concept to get to get in, in the spiritual. Because what it is saying is you didn't, you didn't do anything to earn the paycheck that God gives you. I mean, I'm talking about the spiritual paycheck. You didn't do a thing to receive the healing from the Lord. You didn't earn that. The answered prayer that, that you got that changed your life, there's nothing you did to earn that. Eternity itself, our, our salvation, the fact that we get to go into heaven and live with Jesus forever, we didn't earn a bit of it. Like you did not get any church points for coming to church today. That is not like, there's, there's no account that's going to, like, okay, if I just get, uh, uh, you know, if I get 50 Sundays out of 52 in a, in a year, then I'm guaranteed to go to heaven. That's just not how it works, right? That, that's religion, and, and, and it's works-based. Grace is far beyond religion. Grace is so relational, it's ridiculous. Grace not only gives us what we don't deserve, Grace also empowers us with a dynamo that, that's definitely not inside of us. Grace saves and grace empowers. And this is, the, this is the main lesson that Jesus is trying to teach us. He wants to be merciful to us. And he wants to be gracious to us. Again, even though that we don't deserve it. Now, that little nuance in the scriptures where he decides that he's going to pay the guy that worked an hour first and then the other guys that worked 12 hours plus, he's going to pay them last. Do you know why he did it that way? He did it that way because he's testing the hardworking folks that, that work under the heat of day. The, the guys that actually got blisters and broke a sweat and like almost passed out from heat exhaustion. The guys that actually earned the paycheck. He, Jesus, or the, this parable sets it up and says, I want them to sit and watch as I pay each person the same exact amount because I'm testing them. I'm testing their metal. I'm testing their character. I'm testing their motivation." Or religion. Religion's not the right word, right? I'm testing their motivation for a relationship with me. So we all are going to fall on this scale somewhere. Where are you on this scale? So are you, um, are you being tested right now? It looks like this in spiritual life. Another little story. So growing up in high school, believe it or not, I was the good kid in high school. Maybe not the good kid in college, but I was the good kid in high school. I was the, I was the athlete that prayed before the football games every single time we played. I, I know I was on the football team. It's hard to believe. But I was like this. I mean, my freshman year, I was the same height and the same weight, and I just destroyed all those little kids but then I stopped growing. 
funny, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so my senior year, I'm like doing special teams. But regardless, like even though I didn't grow and become this major linebacker, regardless, I still opened up each prayer, each, each game and each practice with prayer. It did absolutely no good at all because we lost every single game. So that didn't help. You guys were all knuckleheads anyway. There was, we needed deliverance or something with that team. I was uh, like almost the, the de facto spiritual kid on campus. I was the one that would stand up for Christian values and rights and everything, maybe get myself in a little bit of trouble at school. Didn't mind, you know, running my mouth for Jesus. I loved evangelism. I shared my faith with all my friends in school. Had an awesome youth pastor that just made a great environment to bring them all to. Baptized a bunch of kids in our swimming pool. Even baptized the really naughty guy. Like the good-looking jock kid that got all the girls that like drank a lot, like that guy we led to the Lord. That was very exciting. Like I was so pumped that he came to know the Lord until about a month later when God started blessing him. Then the little green Irish monster, this evil eye began just to bubble up within me. Because now he's on fire for the Lord. Now he's, uh, not only is he listening and engaging to Bible study, the youth pastor is actually using him to teach Bible study. I'm like, wait a minute, this isn't right. Ready for this? This isn't fair. He doesn't deserve this. He didn't pay his dues. I'm the anointed one. Right? I'm the anointed one. He's a loser. He's a sinner. Now, Lord, I know that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and I'm not above, you know, I'm not above like sinning, but we all know that he's a much worse sinner than I am, right? I've fallen a little bit. He's fallen a lot, and he doesn't deserve this extra grace that you're giving him right now. You see where that's coming from? Isn't that so unfair? Doesn't God just bug you sometimes? He became the leader. He began to lead people to the Lord. Like he even got the, the cute girl in the youth group, the one that I was after. And so that ugly green monster just got bigger and bigger and bigger. Evil eye. I didn't have the grace that God gave me inside of me. Sometimes people are stuck in a rut because we're too religious to show God's grace. We're too religious to show God's mercy. Can you show somebody mercy in your life that doesn't deserve it? Or are you going to be like me, like, you know what, you didn't work, I'm not going to pay you. You know what, you didn't come to my aid, so I'm not going to like you anymore. Grace. Can you show somebody grace? Can you give them something that they didn't deserve? Not talking about money. Can you give them hope that they don't deserve? Can you give them a voice that they don't deserve? Can you give them a position that they don't deserve? 
Can you do to them what Jesus did for you? Can you give them mercy? Can you give them grace? This is the, this is the, all, the major theme in all of Jesus' parables. Think about the prodigal son. Same exact story, just told a different way. The young son takes his dad's inheritance, blows the whole thing, while the older brother is out in the field, spreading mulch. The older brother is unpacking the container. The older brother is working hard all day long. And then the lazy brother that's on his iPhone all day long, that doesn't do anything, he just rolls back in, and then dad gives him the credit card? Gives him the keys to the, I don't know, what's a cool car these days? The Mercedes? I don't know. That's not fair. But that's how gracious our God is. That's how much he lavishes on us. Now, I, you guys are, I, I see your hearts. Like, maybe a little bit of this is resonating because we are all a little bit like Peter, right? We all love God so much that we're willing to get out of the boat and walk to him. And then our, then our reason might mess us up or logic might get in the way. We're all a little bit like Peter where we're so fascinated with God, but then we lose our temper and we blow everything up. We're all a little bit like Peter where it's like you just have this heart and connection towards people, but then you get a little bit competitive and you get a little bit petty, right? We're all a little bit like that. But you guys have matured so much. Like, I think that you get it. I really think that you get it. Because what does Jesus say? Because you need to, you need to, for lack of a back, better illustration, so like the firstborn, you could say is the Jewish people or God's chosen one, right? You ever feel like you're the chosen one? The first that gets supplanted and now they're last. The last will serve. The, it, it's all kind of complicated, but. You know, where, where are you on that whole scale, if you will? I think each and every one of us knows the heartbeat of this church where we want to bring the lost in. Maybe we have a little bit of an insecurity, you know, well, I want to make sure I don't give them too much authority because then I might not be the cool kid in church anymore, Right? I think we can get beyond that, right? We can get beyond the petty stuff because we need to bring people into the number because uh, you are special. You are anointed, and so is everybody else. God sees us all, the ones that aren't in here, as special, as anointed, as called, as chosen. Here's a really hard question. Have you been called or have you been chosen? Have you been called or have you been chosen? We can talk about that. But I want you to think about who you could invite to come and work in the field. Uh, turn to chapter 22, Matthew chapter 22. Because this one's maybe a little bit better. Who can you invite to come to the party, right? The party is going to be a lot better than spread and mulch at church, right? So who can you invite to come to the party? These special people, of course, the special people are always invited. The Jewish people were invited 
to take part in, in Jesus' kingdom of heaven. They got the formal invitation. They were expected to show up because they're part of the family. They're part of the tribe. They're part of the community. But this is what happens. Something very strange happens. Jesus spoke to them again in parables, and he said, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. So the, the usual suspects, the hoi polloi, you know what hoi polloi is? The, the, the ones that, that need to be there privileged, the blessed, they're like, yeah, I got to wash my hair that day. You know, I got some yard work to do. I got something coming up. I can't do it. I can't come to the party. I can't come to the wedding. Then he sent some more servants and said, tell those who have been invited that I prepared my dinner. It's going to be awesome. There's going to be an ox and a fatted calf. And a really cool cupcake cake thing. And some bougie pie or something. It's going to be some amazing food. Everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. You don't ha- it's not a potluck. You don't have to bring anything. But they paid no attention to him. And they went off. One to his field and another to his business. I got things to do. I got to mow my yard. And the guy's like, you know what? I got to pay some taxes. I can't come. The rest seized his servants and they mistreated them and killed them. This obviously made the king angry. Verse 8. Then, the, so then he said to his servants, the wedding banquet is ready. We've got tons of food. But those that I've invited, they did not deserve to come. Interesting. Go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets, and they gathered all the people that they could find, both the good and the bad. Are you guys okay with bringing good people and bad people into the building? Yeah, I I know you guys are. And the wedding hall was filled. So they bring in the good and the bad. The parables say the poor, the blind, the lepers. And it looks like this absolutely incredible mansion of marble floors, Persian rugs, candelabras, some fancy guy playing the piano, classical music going on. The ones that should have been at the party, the hoi polite, they don't show up. And so he literally goes out into the streets and brings in the outcasts and the weirdos, those that smell a little bit, right? Those that don't quite fit in, those that are disenfranchised. He invites them into the party. Isn't that just like an amazing sentiment? You get it, right? And you, I see your heart. You're like, yeah, I can do that. And you need to know this. Like, I'm completely okay with whoever you bring. They can even smell. You might put them in the Creekside room. But we will get them in. Like, I'm okay with homeless people. I've invited them in myself. 
actually, if you think about it, maybe with the exception of that last guy, every day laborer that I've, that I've had come to our church, I've invited them to come and worship with us on Sunday. And I think you guys are the same way. You, you, you don't really mind if somebody is socially awkward. It's as long as they're in the environment to hear the word of God. Yeah. Right? Amen? Am I, am I right on this one? I see your hearts. So Jesus is telling a very deep story about mercy and grace. Peter's like, yeah, I get it. The first guys are not going to be last, and now I'm first. And Peter has to think about it again. Oh, wait a minute. Jesus just, he just flipped the script on me. He's now talking about me, right? You guys get that? It's like, I can't be judgmental. I can't look down on other people. I can't give other people the evil eye. I've got to make room in my life, in my environment, so others can come in and have the same experience that I had and, and, and they don't deserve it. They did not earn it. And Peter's smart enough to know, I didn't earn it either. And I think that you guys are smart enough to know that you didn't earn this, did you? You guys know that, right? You, you, don't, you didn't earn God's love. He's given it freely. You didn't earn your salvation. He's given it freely. You didn't buy your way into heaven. going to be another big giant plot twist that Jesus is going to drop on us in, in 22. Now, I want you to think about who you would invite <coughs> to the lavish party. Like that one guy, right? That one girl that's a little different. You can invite them to a really fancy party. It's going to be awkward, but you know what? You don't care. You're going to have fun, right? It's going to be a little awkward, but, you know, they don't care. They're just, they're curious. So I'll show you who I would invite. This is the type of individual I would invite. There he is. The dude. The big Lebowski. There's another guy, too. Let's look at the other guy. Maybe you'd, maybe you'd invite this guy. This is Jesus. Don't, be, don't mess with Jesus. All right, let's go back to Big Lebowski real quick. You know, I, like I've had friends like this. Now, I, I, I can't show any video clips because they're not, important, they're not appropriate for church. But just use your imagination to do your own video in your mind right now. Just picture the Big Lebowski, the dude like walking into this major mansion that, that you've invited him into, right? You've invited him. And the host actually wants him there because the host wants a big party. He doesn't want to serve a bunch. He doesn't want all the food to go to waste. He doesn't want all the blessings to go to waste. He's taking anybody, even that guy. And just, again, just think of Jeff Bridges, the big Lebowski, walking through the mansion, you know, he's, he's drinking all the booze. Because you know this guy's going to do that, right? It's not the first party he's crashed. Right? You know him. This isn't the first party that he's crashed. So he's going to be drinking all the booze. He's going to be eating all the shrimp cocktails. He's like, man, this is so good. This is an awesome party. Thank you so much for inviting me. And again, he shows up like that. And he, he, he's like... Lounging on the French furniture. 
Verse 11. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. Friend, affectionate term. Friend, he asked, how did you get in here without any wedding clothes? The man was speechless. I don't know, man. I just kind of, Josh invited me, so I thought it was okay. The man was speechless. The king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. What? Are you guys confused? I just thought that we were supposed to invite the hobos into church and Jesus is going to love them. And now he's kicking them out. Now he's actually sending them into hell. I'm so confused, Pastor Josh. Help me understand what's going on here. This uh, verse 14, many are invited, but few are chosen. Uh, this, this, this text gets taken out of context quite often. The idea is uh, the Jews were invited, but those out in the streets, they were chosen to come in. Some would say that, you know, God just, he just predetermines who gets to go to heaven and who gets to go to hell. It's all, before time was set up, God had already double predestined us to either go to heaven or go to hell. And I I think it's very sloppy work because I don't think, in context, that's not what this story is about. This story is about making a choice. It's about free will. It's about submitting to our Lord Jesus Christ. This is all about choice. The firstborn, the oldest son, the Jews, they had a choice. Now, of course, I mean, this is general terms here, but they had a choice. They were invited. They got the fancy invitation, and they chose not to follow him. We go out into the streets, and we choose people like the Big Lebowski that really, 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 really need Jesus. And we invite them in because God's grace is so amazing because we've experienced God's grace and his mercy. And we want that for other people. But the dude doesn't change his clothes. He's mooching off all the food. The grace that he receives, he's received it in a greasy way. Greasy grace. He doesn't realize what he's been given, or maybe he does realize what he, he's been given, and he just doesn't really care. So he shows up to the party in his pajamas. Very disrespectful. So maybe you are a big Lebowski. How are you showing up into God's presence? Are you, showing, are you, are you aware? Are you at least conscious of the mercy and grace that God has given you? Do you, do you get it? But you don't earn it. It's a free gift. And if you get it, what is the response? Are you just wandering in, eating the hors d'oeuvres and drinking all the booze? Or do you like, oh my gosh, like I don't have a lot, but I'm gonna I'm gonna at least try my very best to dress up to the party. I'm gonna like give Jesus my best. Because why? Because God gave me his best in his son, Jesus Christ. 
uh, years ago, back when I was in college, um, we were we were looking for a new youth pastor, and uh, uh, my dad was interviewing a bunch of guys, and there was this one guy. He was really cool. Um, I wasn't necessarily in the church, but I was involved and you know, we at college. Anyway, uh, but there was this one guy that they, they, they were looking at, and they were very serious about. He was a cool guy. He fit the culture. He loved kids. He loved Jesus. He was smart. You know, I was having conversations with my dad. Okay, so he's smart. He's, he's, he's cool. Is his theology okay? Does he have a wonky theology? No, his theology is good. What does he believe about the gifts? No, he's all on board with the gifts. I'm like, okay, cool. Another interview, another interview. And um, well, dad, did you hire that guy? He's like, no, I didn't hire him. I'm like, well, are you kidding me? Why not? He seemed like he was a good fit. He seemed like it would, you know, it seems like it, w- it would have worked out. How come he didn't hire him? He's like, because he didn't take the time to shine his shoes before he came into the interview. I'm like, are you kidding me? That's the reason? He's like, yeah. He didn't have enough respect for the church, for me, for himself. Take the time to polish his shoes. He had scuffy shoes, and I'm just like looking at him the whole time, like, this guy doesn't really want it. What a way to make a decision, right? <laughs> See how the plot changed? Yes. God's grace is mind-boggling. His mercy is mind-boggling. He's called us all to work in the field. And there's going to be points where you're going to see what God's doing. And you're going to see it within the context of your own life. And you're going to look at life. And you're going to look at theology. You're going to look at God. And there's going to be some of us who are going to say, this is not fair. But you know what? The reason You say it's not fair. Maybe somebody gets more blessed than you. And you're like, God, this is not fair. It's a really good thing that God's not fair. Because if he was fair, what would that mean for us? It's a, we are so blessed that God is not fair and that he is just and that he loves. So the question is, what are you going to do with the mercy and the grace that God gave you today? What are you going to do uh, Receiving a paycheck that you did not deserve. What are you gonna What are you gonna do when you see somebody else walking in, running in, limping in? They're hungry for God. What are you gonna do with them when God starts blessing them? You're gonna manage the what's going on in your own heart so that you be on board and bless them too. There's some people that haven't received grace and mercy because we haven't shown it to them. So you are his hands and feet to show grace and mercy to those that don't deserve it. <laughs> right? All right. Let me get the band to come up with a class. I was wondering where my notes were. They were down here the whole time. Let's see, did I miss anything? 
No, I, I think I got it all. Let's just not take God's grace for granted. This is the, the main idea. Let's not take God's grace for granted. You stand with me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, right now, we just thank you so much. We get invited to the party. Or we got chosen to come to the party. It doesn't really matter, God. It's, what matters is how we respond. What, re- matter, what matters is our free will. What matters is our choice. What matters to us, what matters to you is, yeah, yeah if we show up and, and work in the field, but what really matters is it our hearts that say, I, I deserve something now since I put in the time. Well, brothers and sisters, we don't deserve anything. We get everything. So Jesus, I pray right now that you just do a, a deep work in our hearts, wherever we are on that spectrum that we talked about. God, I pray right now that you just do a, a transformational work in the church. God, I pray you give us a courage just to step out in faith go into the highways and byways and the cubicles and the classrooms to invite people in to experience mercy and grace, the goodness of God, that goodness of God that leads to repentance. If you don't, uh, if you've never experienced the grace and mercy of Jesus, if you want to accept him into your heart right now, I'll give you your opportunity every eye closed and every head bowed just you want to experience God's grace and mercy in your life just raise your hand God bless you guys God bless you just receive his grace God bless you amen amen God's doing a good work it's very freeing when you realize you don't have to work for this stuff it's just a gift so heavenly father may we just put on those wedding clothes that that mantle, that coat of righteousness. May we put on the wedding clothes of the the helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, belt of truth. May we put on all of these things that we don't have, but you do have. May we put on the proper wedding clothes. Come into your presence, Lord. Pray this in your name. Amen.